Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. On the line with us is Brian Polito. He's the superintendent of Erie's Public Schools. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, you said this at this morning's news conference that youth violence is not only an Erie's public schools problem, but a community problem. But you also said that the district can be part of the solution. How can the district add value to the moment that we're in? Well, uh, we've already started with a lot of the security upgrades uh, in our our buildings. Uh, most prominent, obviously, is the metal detectors. They they uh, we started using them on. Tuesday when the students came back from spring break in all of our secondary schools, uh, that's been going fairly well. A few bumps in the road, but we're, we're working through it. Uh, we're also in the process right now of, uh, at Erie High, updating our security alarm system to make sure that all of our exterior doors uh, have audible alarms on them so we know if somebody's trying to get in or out of the building uh, without permission. Uh, one of the other things that, that came up over the last couple months, uh, both with the drill that happened in January and with the incident a couple weeks ago, is that on the, the south side of the building, the part of the building that has not been renovated yet, uh, the teachers were not able to lock their doors from inside the classroom. They had to open the doors up to lock them. So we're also working on a solution uh, for that, uh, so my goal, I, I do, do not intend to bring any any students back until we have all of those measures in place. Uh, right now, we're tentatively set for May 2nd to return everybody, but that may change uh, depending on the installation progress. What What about the, uh, the nonprofit supports that are available through the community schools and the other programs? Are, I, I guess my question is more of a softer one. Are there, uh, are there services that could be provided through the district that could help uh, parents and families of troubled youth, you know, that maybe could stem this tide of violence? Yeah, this, Erie is a support-rich community. There's, there's supports um, all, all across the city. Uh, we knew... Um, uh, last year, coming back from the pandemic, that, that after uh, almost two years of operating remotely, uh, that we were going to have some challenges on the social and emotional side of things with our students. So we made a concerted effort last year when we received our stimulus allocation to really focus on building those supports out. So we, uh, we actually um, worked towards hiring nine mental health specialists, nine additional uh, so that we have uh, right now one dedicated individual in every building. Uh, we also uh, worked with the United Way, our community school partner, to exp expand blended case managers. They had received a grant uh, through the Department of Education to fund our five original community schools, and we're using our stimulus fund to expand that to all of our schools uh, so that there's a, a case manager on site to assist. And, and that's really a lot of times some of the challenges that we face when we identify a student that maybe has some needs, uh, some mental health needs in particular. Uh, there's a, it's a challenge sometimes to get parents sign off on that. So the case managers are really charged with that, uh, trying to build relationships with the families and help uh, secure those sign-offs and connect 
both the families and the students with the services they need in the community. Can you talk about little Antonio Varger, the seven-year-old who was shot in the head last Thursday? Again, this was not at school. This was in the community. He died of his uh, injuries. Was he a student at one of the district schools? Yes, it's uh, very devastating to all of us. He was a student at uh, Joanna Connell School. Wow. Uh, Very loved there. Uh, Certainly the the whole school community there was devastated. We... um, we, we do have a, a number of supports on site right now for, for the students and families uh, to, to help address this. We have additional mental health supports. We actually um, had the therapy dogs there at the start of the week as well so that, um, you know, if the students needed to talk, they had uh, some, someone there to comfort them as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a real hit to the, the district. And are, do you feel like uh, even the Erie High students and staff have been availing themselves of the counseling, whether it was at ECAT or, or other sources? I, I believe so. It, it, it was slow at the beginning, but I think it's, it's been picking up. Uh, we're, we're again, uh, we're bringing the teachers back next week to in-person instruction. Uh, we're going to continue to have additional supports on site for the teachers, and then when the the students return hopefully the following week. Uh, the, the same thing. We want to make sure that that there's a lot of supports there, and that anybody that needs any help or needs somebody to talk to can do so. We're talking to Brian Polito. He's the superintendent of schools at Erie's uh, Public Schools. Uh, you mentioned the systems that w- are put in place, and uh, I just just to get a little of the nitty gritty there. Uh, we're talking about portable stanchions. How how do the uh, the metal detectors work, and are they all the same in all the schools? They will be. Right now we have temporary ones that are more like the traditional metal detectors, but we did get some portable ones that um, they're gateless. So there's uh, really two poles on either side of the entrance um, that the students walk through. Uh, they're very portable. Uh, they're, they're actually powered by a, a drill battery, um, weigh 28 pounds. So we'll be able to utilize them um all over the the district uh, for any type of events and and also move them out of the way when when they're not in use. Okay, and then if if a child is coming through and it beeps, what's the procedure? And and who are they talking to at that moment? Uh well, we have uh staff on site to help direct traffic. Uh but if it does beep, then the student will be directed to uh, to the side. Uh, so that that a more thorough search can be done by either one of our administrators or one of our police officers. Okay, and then uh, and then uh, they they rectify the situation there. Um, yeah. We did have witnesses that saw some big lines coming out of a collegiate academy Tuesday morning. It was the first morning. It, it's understandable. Uh, you said things are kind of moving more quickly these days. Yeah, there were there was a few bumps in the road on the first day. It's, this is new to everybody. Um, by and large, we were able to get the the students in in about a half an hour at every one of our buildings. The, one of the biggest holdups we we found was searching uh, backpacks and and other uh, packages. So uh, right now we're in the process of trying to get ordered uh, clear. Uh, backpacks for all of our students so that uh, once we have those in place, it'll be much easier to, to search those items. So basically, you'll have to come to school with an authorized uh, backpack then? Yes. 
Okay, boy, that's a significant uh, change. Um, let's let's talk about the security issue in general. You know, uh, I don't know if it was you or other administration personnel. They've been quoted in the press that the security issue has been a priority for a couple years now. Why do you think this has taken so long? Well, um, I, uh, funding is one thing. Um, as I know you know, Joel, we uh, we just came out of our financial crisis a couple right. years ago, and we have a ton of deferred maintenance across our, our uh, district. Uh, we we ended up prioritizing uh, things that are keep our buildings warm, safe, and dry. So we've been systematically working through our buildings to address these safety issues. Uh, for example, two years we went through most of our buildings and put in uh, security vestibules uh, to address that. Um, everything uh, was a bit paused because of the pandemic. We had to shift our focus back to ventilation right. uh, to try to get our students back in place. But uh, really this year, uh, it's become a, a pretty big priority as all of us have seen the increase in gun violence uh, among our youth across the city. So we uh, we began uh, we began the year by uh, increasing uh, police presence in all our buildings. We we increased it by four officers. Uh, two of those went to Erie High. Uh, that was developed out of a police committee that uh, uh, came out of the George Floyd incident um, when we were being asked to have our uh, police defunded. Uh, we put that committee together to take a look at maybe reducing our police staff. And because of uh, the youth violence, that, that committee decided to increase police coverage. And then after the first of the year, um, as that uh, violence continued across the city, uh, we started to have some, some discussions about accelerating a lot of these safety issues, especially up at Erie High. Uh, we we formed um, at the EEA's request a safety committee up there and really started to identify a number of these things that we're implementing right now and we're collectively working together to do that when this incident hit um, and that's really why we were able to to move so quickly because all that work w had been done over the last two months and we had everything in place to implement. So so it has it been you know. There has been this focus on warm, safe, and dry. The the mm -hmm. idea of the safety part, um, you, you know, there's, it's multi-pronged. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, we we uh, we kind of joke, not really, but you know, the idea of the baseball bats in one of the one of the county um, uh, school districts here. Uh, do you feel like after you do these? Uh, do these changes that there will be able to be a true hard lockdown and uh and then with with the training that you're giving staff that uh they that kids will be reasonably safe kids and staff uh absolutely but we're not going to stop there uh, we're going to continue to have these these meetings on a monthly basis we we actually expanded the safety committees to our middle schools um that's uh, that's been most of my day today is going around and meeting with uh, the faculty at our middle schools to really identify some of the problems in the other buildings so that we can start to work on it uh, we also uh, because of uh, what's been going on in our community uh, we we were actually on the list uh, the state police does a uh, a threat and vulnerability assessment. Mm, yeah. uh, we were we were pretty close to the bottom of the list on that, but they were able to move us up 
we actually had the state police go through Erie High about two weeks before the incident happened. Um, they're still writing up their report, uh, but we're going to take that to really drive some additional safety measures in that building. They're, they're going to continue on and go through our other buildings over the summer. Uh, so we'll, we'll take all that information. We're, we'll work with this, the faculty on our safety committees and, and prioritize what needs to be done and how, how we're going to accomplish that in a timely manner. I want to ask you a couple culture questions. When we had the Erie Education Association on the air, and it was literally the day after the shooting, they described basically daily events of students escalating verbal or even physical abuse at teachers and staff. What is the system to address when a kid gets in uh, the face of a teacher and you know, is throwing obscenities at him? So we, uh, we're really tightening uh, some of those issues down, too. Uh, uh, we, 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 we also agree we saw a lot of increase in, in issues, especially uh, students skipping class and, and getting into trouble during uh, when they should be in class. So uh, we're, we're really going to tighten up our, our hallway procedures and, and make sure that uh, these students are, are appropriately consequenced when, when that happens. It's... Um, it's something that we just can't tolerate at this point. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna crack down, and we're gonna make sure um, that uh, our students are attending class. Does this does the district adjudicate summary f offenses within its district within the the buildings? Uh, the the district can uh, charge our police officers can charge. Uh, for summary offenses, misdemeanors, those type of things, uh, the more serious charges go up to the EPD. But has that, did that stop based on, you know, some of the things that we were reading in the strategic plan and then also some of the testimony coming out of the school board? It didn't stop. Uh, we did, uh, we, uh, we before felt that uh, some of the, the staff in schools were leaning too heavily on the police for uh, for uh, classroom management incidents. Uh, so we did limit what the police could be involved in and what they could charge uh, for the students. So the the, the minor incidents are, are things that that we still uh, still don't believe that our police should be involved in. Can you describe what we're talking about? If 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 someone throws the f bomb at a teacher that's probably not going to be a chargeable offense, but any kind of putting hands on a teacher would be? I don't want to put words in yeah. your mouth. Right. And it's, you know, again, each instance is different, but, you know, we're, uh, we're going to be charging when there's physical uh, altercations and, and when school safety is, is at issue. And that's, you know, something that with each of those incidents, uh, we, we have to have our police officers and our administrators going through and evaluating it and making, and making a decision at that time. The, the question that came up as well is the idea that some schools seem to have a, um, a building culture that just does not uh, uh, lead to a lot of this violence or this escalation, and some schools don't. What is the differentiating factor there, Brian Polito? I, I, I think, for me, I think the, the big challenge has been COVID for us. We, uh, we were on the right track prior to uh, the pandemic. Um, if you recall back when we did the consolidation, there was a lot of concerns across the community that merging all the 
the high schools into one. The, the three high schools would, right. would cause an increase in the events and, and uh, gang activities in the schools and throughout. And, and in fact, we saw the exact opposite. Uh, the year before the uh, consolidation, we had about 267 fights, I believe, among the three schools that merged into Erie High. Uh, that the, the year of the consolidation, we were down to about 222 fights. And then uh, by 1920, uh, which we were only in person for nine months, uh, that first nine months, we only had 109 fights. And at that point, the gang activity was was almost completely eliminated. We didn't see kids flashing gang signs doing anything. Uh, I really attribute a lot of that to the work that Unified Erie did with the call-in initiative. Um, but when the pandemic hit, a lot of our students um, don't have a lot of structure at home, and, and some don't have any structure at home. So the only structure that they really had was uh, what they had in our schools. And absent that structure, uh, it's my opinion, they, that's where the gang activity came back. They, they, they were left to their, their own devices, and they created their own structures and brought them back with them after the pandemic. And, and that, that's what we're really struggling to deal with right now. Um, certainly, it's more prevalent in our middle and high schools than, than anywhere else. When I talked to uh, your director of academics, um, she said, we, we are not skipping a beat. We are, we are leaning in on teaching uh, on time, you know, the units and so on. Uh, is, mm -hmm. is that advisable given the kind of trauma that's going on right now in the district? Well, I, we're, uh, we're certainly going to be adjusting things, especially at Erie High, as, yeah. as the students uh, come back to school. Uh, we've we've all already put our teachers through some training on how to identify trauma um, and have some of those discussions with their students. Uh, we uh, we want to have when they come back, we want to have those discussions on the front end, um, and again uh, work towards identifying any students that that need any additional supports like that and, and get them the help they need. Finally, you said that you're shooting for May second. Uh, what's the possibility that that probably won't happen for in-person uh, over at I, Erie High. At this point, I'm feeling very optimistic that we're going to meet that deadline. Okay. One last question, and, and, and I don't think you're going to be able to answer me, but uh, Jet TV is reporting that an employee at Erie's public schools is accused of drunk driving and other charges um, over in Ohio. Um, you guys, I would imagine, are just looking into that, right? Uh, yeah, I can I can say that um, an employee was uh, we are investigating an incident and and that employee has not been back to work um, since the the initial incident occurred. I appreciate it, Brian Polito, the superintendent of schools at Erie's Public Schools. Thank you so much, Brian. We greatly appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.